It's Picture Lock on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Welcome to another episode of the world-famous award-winning show. I am your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, film publicist, and lover of film and TV. You can find movie reviews, all the back episodes, and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. Before we dig into this, a couple quick announcements. Please check out PictureLockShow.com. I have to say the website has gotten a facelift. Shout out to my beautiful and intelligent wife. Um, She hooked it up, (laughs) went into Squarespace, and uh, we definitely have a, a new look, a new format can help you to find those movie reviews even faster. Um, But it's the same great content, just a new look. Today I have Paul Dudbridge, writer of the book, Making Your First Blockbuster, Write It, Film It, Blow It Up on to talk about his book, why he wrote it and what you can get out of it as a filmmaker. For those of you that are listening on the radio, you definitely want to subscribe to the podcast. The podcast interview goes a little bit more in depth. Plus, I'll have a picture lock after show segment, so you don't want to miss that. I also talk with co-writer director of Rich Kids, Laura Summers, about her film, which looks at a day in the life of low-income Latino kids who break into the local mansion in their neighborhood to spend the day pretending to be rich in order to forget about their difficult lives. And that's all ahead on Picture Lock. Hi, this is Douglas Davidson, film critic and founder of Elements of Madness, and you're listening to Picture Lock. It's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and my next guest is a director, producer, and cinematographer making feature films and television. As a producer and director, he produced the award-winning science fiction film Horizon, which tells the story of five friends who must evacuate the city of Bristol after an alien ship appears on the city's skyline. In fact, I spoke with him on the show around this time in 2016 about that incredible web series, which you can see on, on our YouTube channel. He's done a lot more since then, and he's here today to talk about one of his latest accomplishments, a book entitled Making Your First Blockbuster, Write It, Film It, Blow It Up. Happy to have him back on the show. It's Paul Dudbridge, folks. Paul, welcome back to Picture Lock. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Great to be back. (laughs) It's my pleasure, man. It's been three years, as we were talking about before, so I think it's fair to ask the question that I usually start out with, which is, when did you first fall in love with film? Um, for me, it was my mum sat me down uh, one day and she put uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark on. And, um, and, and it went from there, really. Um, and it wasn't until I was about 11 that I, I watched the third movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and I started to break down the things. I started to realize I liked the images. I liked the look of it. I liked... Why did that picture look good? Um, you know, the action sequences. And then I read, I had a poster magazine. They used to do the poster magazines with all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And there was a little bit in there where it said how Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford walked off the streets of Vienna, and when he went inside the building, it was on a soundstage in London. And, it, and I was thinking, no, that can't be right, because his hair, his hair and costume, he would have to be wearing the exact same thing. And how... <laughs> We might realize that it's in a different... No, that can't... What? And I started to break down the fact that movies are made. You know, they don't happen in real time. They're filmed. They're done in bits and pieces. And I started to unlock it. And it was that movie that did it. Wow. Um, so it was it was great fun. And I, and I kind of went from there. And I started to realize, you know, how you would see a camera angle. And on the reverse, 
you should see the camera on the other on the other side, but the camera wasn't there. So how did they get rid of the camera? <laughs> and, and I, you know, but as an eleven-year-old boy, you're like, oh, what's going on? This is interesting. What's how does it work? So that was the, the thing that kicked it all off for me. Man, I love that story um, just because, you know, it just brings me back to my childhood as well in terms of, like, looking at those behind-the-scenes books and and finding out, like, oh, wow, there is an actual art to this. This There's a certain way that you do that. Like, that's hilarious about the the reverse camera angle. Where did the camera go? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Paul. So, you know what? Um, we got a little bit of time. So why don't you kind of like just give us a little history lesson in terms of how you got into the industry. And for folks that don't know, you know, Paul is in Bristol, England. So we're, we're talking across the pond here today. Yeah. Well, um, I first started when um, my dad, he bought a family video camera. It was called a Betamax, a Beta movie camcorder, is really big, chunky thing, and he got it to film uh, our sports days at school and birthdays and family holidays and stuff. And he filmed a play once that my sister and my friends put on in our back garden one summer. And my dad filmed it, and he filmed the wrong bits. Bless him, he kind of filmed the you know kind of backstage bits accidentally. Uh, so we decided to write our own little film that we shot. And dad again, he filmed it and. Uh, you know, it was kind of this adventure movie starring our, us kids and we were trying to find the treasure map where these bad guys were after us. But Dad kind of filmed it from one place on the same size lens. The sound, therefore, was quiet on when it was further away. We had a little stereo behind the camera playing the music. But in my head, I had Indiana Jones. I had these close-ups. I had these shots of what I was doing. I had the tension, the cross-cutting, but obviously it was all filmed from one place and it didn't work really well. We put it in the machine to play it. So it was that was the beginning. We went off then to kind of make our own films and write our own things and um, it just grew and grew and grew and then you start getting new kits, then you start meeting new people and it goes from there really. Awesome, man. Uh, so that's definitely like the, the younger you. Uh, r- really quickly, like, did you go to film school? Like, how did you take that journey from the, the child that, you know, was fascinated with it and making home movies to like now the man who's directing, producing, cinematographer? Sure. Well, it just literally it was it would grow bit by bit, year by year. I didn't go to film school. Um, I would just keep making movies. Dad got a new camera. Then I would go to, um, uh, I did go, uh, there was a college in, in Bristol that I went to, which is like a basic TV and video thing, which was so basic. It was literally, here's, here's where the on button is for the camera. You know, I, it was it was really bad. But my friends and I there, we, we I shot two features on video while we were there, and it was self-taught editing we'd go in and when the college was closed in summertime and just cut our movies um, and it just went from there really and then there was one time when I I made a film and I put an advert in the local paper looking for an actress and, she, and the, this girl got the part and she used to work part-time at a place called the ITV television workshop in Bristol where they train young performers and her boss came to the premiere of the movie and said, look, do you want to come and make some movies with us? Because we were attached to the local TV station. We've got the big cameras. And I was just like, yeah, brilliant. So we went along and I went along and did that. And they had to hire in a, a like a proper cameraman who could use, you know, the big cameras. It was a digi beat about then. So I was, wasn't used to the quality of the image. But then for the, the films after that, 
they didn't want to spend all this extra money on a cameraman at 300 pounds a day. So they said, well, look, why don't we train you to use the camera? So I said, hey, that sounds good to me. And that's when I started that journey, really, because not only did I have the contacts of those cameramen that we used on those earlier shorts, but then I could use the camera myself. So it just went from there. And, and, and the other thing, which is kind of related to the new book, is I, I was completely self-taught by reading. I would just go out and buy the books on screenwriting, directing, producing, editing, cinematography. And it's something that I say to my students now when I teach part-time is like, read that, buy that book, read it. You're probably going to understand about 50% of it, if that, probably less. But then you go out and film come back and read the book and you might understand 70% of it, it might start to click. Then go and hire some kit, some lights and gels and start messing and then come back to the book and you might understand 80% of it and bit by bit you learn and that's the way I did it. Um, and I'm, I, I, yeah, so film school wasn't the route for me. I just was completely self-taught until I got to where I am today. Wow, man, that's incredible. I love it. It's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. My guest is director, producer, and now author, Paul Dudbridge. His book is out now on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It's called Making Your First Blockbuster. Write it, film it, blow it up. So, Paul, let's go ahead and jump into the book. I know firsthand that writing a book is tough. So tell us why you decided to go on the journey of writing Making Your First Blockbuster while you're still a full-time filmmaker. Sure. Well, I teach part-time, and actually this is my second book because my first book is called Shooting Better Movies, The Student Filmmaker's Guide. And I was doing, and when I'm not shooting or filming, I'm, 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 uh, I teach universities and film schools and, and things like that. And I had all these notes, I had all these workshops, things that I put, I thought, you know what, I could do something with this. So I'm going to write my own book, and I didn't know where I was going to put it. I didn't know where it was going to be released, but I, maybe a free ebook or something, I don't know. Anyway, so I, I wrote that book. And I managed to get it published by Michael VC Productions, who do stuff like Shot by Shot, Save the Cat, The Writer's Journey. They liked it, and they said, yes, we'll take it. Um, but the initial book that I wrote was quite big. Um, it was like 220 pages as a, as a Word document, but what they wanted delivered equated to about 60. So I had to lose a lot of the material, which I was quite upset about. But like, hey, you know, it's a, it's go, it's a, in one way or the other, it's going out there, which is I'm grateful for. But then I've got a background in visual effects and and and, and action, and and I love doing all that kind of stuff. And I thought, Do you know what, I think there might be a second book here in this material. So I kind of pitched it to Michael Vesey, who's the president of the company, and um, I, I pitched. I remember it was like I don't think it was about five o'clock on a Tuesday. And by 20 past five, I got an email back, and he says, I don't like it. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> and <laughs> nice. I, my heart dropped for a minute as I dropped the, <laughs> read the second line. And he said, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. I want a table of contents. I want this, that. So a lot of it was kind of the material I had written on special effects, visual effects, things. Basically, I kind of wanted to write the book, which is actually this, this line is actually the, the first line of the, the introduction. I wanted to write the book I wish I had when I was 18. You know, I, yep. I grew up, you know, you're trying to copy John Woo, you're trying to copy Ridley Scott, Spielberg, Robert Zemeckis, and, and how, to be, how to do squibs, how to do explosions, car chases, all this kind of stuff. And I kind of just fumbled my way through it. And I wish I had this book that said, hey, when you shoot fights, do it this way. When you have squibs, it's important that you have a safety, get a professional in, but this is how you can do it. It's a one-take deal or whatever. 
get a second costume if you do squibs and all this kind of stuff. And 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 um, so I thought, oh, you know, I want to write the book that I wish I'd had. So hopefully it'll help other filmmakers. Yeah. And, you know, I love that. And I, I just feel like you can feel that from reading the book. Um, I like the way that you've actually set it up. Right. So you basically take us from pre-production to post. Um, writing your blockbuster, producing your blockbuster, casting your blockbuster, filming your blockbuster, directing your blockbuster. And I know I'm saying every single like chapter right now, but just for the audience to to understand that like you've really you've really walked us through the process of filmmaking and and at a big level as well. I, I, you know, not all of us are stunt people. Not all of us know how to do it. But definitely for indie filmmakers, um, it's something that you want to do, but yet you don't necessarily know how, who do I talk with, all those things. But those are some of the things that you cover in the book. Um, Paul, if you could, like, what has been some of the initial reactions so far to the book? Well, it's been great, actually, because I... Um you know, I, I've had a couple of people that I admire read the book and kindly give me a quote for the back cover. You know, people like Dean Cundy, who's the DP on Back to the Future and Jurassic Park and Apollo 13. He's read it and he loved he loved it and he said, I'm going to recommend this to my students, you know. And, you know, a couple of visual effects people that have worked on King Kong and stuff. And he said, look, everything's covered in here. This is great. I don't know. It's been nice to have that kind of, reaction from an industry level of people that I admire you know I grew up watching Dean Cundy's work Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies and for him to endorse it is was absolutely mind-blowing um, and to know that hopefully what I've been writing about is with tracks with the industry and how it's done and, and things like that but the initial reaction has been really good I had a great review recently from a from Raindance Film Festival over here in the UK and the the reviewer really kind of was, I was very gracious of him. It kind of hit every point that I was trying to do with the book about what level I'm pitching it, and just kind of not talking down to the audience at all, but just reading, saying to the reader, "Look, you can do this, and this is how you can. And if you mess it up, it's okay because then the next time you do it, you learn from that. And if you want to, you know, and this is if you manage to get a stunt man to fall off a you know a building, this is how you should film it. <laughs> if, if you're going to have fire." This is how you need to set your color temperature so it plays, you know, the correct, uh, you know, for the, it plays correctly on screen. So all those things that I've kind of picked up from talking to the industry professionals is in there, and it's just great to have the reception that it has so far. Right, you know, and I think another great thing about it, we, we were talking about initially about the kind of behind-the-scenes books, uh, you know, that we would read as a kid. Um, and one of the things that always stood out to me was they would take photos and stills from the films um, that they were talking about and they would put it in there. Um, and again, folks, like this is a very professional book. And there's sometimes like, and, and I'm saying this because sometimes the audience that I, I'm talking with, it's indie filmmakers on the come up. But no, like in this book, you actually have, you know, shots from Raiders in the Lost Ark. And there's eight different uh, stills that are showing the development of a scene and, and breaking that down. So I really appreciate that. And I'm, I guess one question for you was, is, what was it like constructing all of your thoughts? And like, like you obviously said, Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of your favorite films. But like putting that into something that we can all digest and walking us through, you know, the, the development of scenes. 
Yeah, I mean, when I, you know, I kind of, I was as I was writing the book, there'd be films that I'd be watching and I'd find examples that I'd want to put in because it demonstrated things quite nicely. But I would normally break it down and I'd write the sections of which of what I wanted to cover under directing. And I think it's just some things that I've picked up on, like with the example that you used about how Spielberg would do like the developing shots where you would realize, and he does it even today, you realize that the camera hasn't cut and you've just got all of your coverage in one particular shot i mean in the scene in question you know i think there's one cut to like a close-up of a gun and then we cut back to the original shot but he's got his wide he's got his close-up he pushes into a medium and i mean it's quite a a, a confident way of filming because obviously come the edit you kind of just stuck with that but it just makes it a little bit more visually interesting for the reader and just kind of touching on things of visual storytelling uh, there's an example in the book as well on this directing chapter from about visual storytelling with Seabiscuit, which I really like. And I love that movie. And just kind of the juxtaposition of images where there's a scene where Seabiscuit's this horse who's got this kind of fiery temperament that no jockey can ride. And Chris Cooper plays a character that's looking to train the horse and find a jockey that he can put the, you know, the two together. And in one little sequence, Chris Cooper walks into the stables and he sees the horse rearing up and these stable hands are trying to control it. And he turns to the right and he sees Toby Maguire's character fighting off some of the other stable boys. And you see these two characters, the horse and Toby Maguire, who are, they're the same, they're the same person, they're the same <laughs> entity. And it's just like, they belong together. Right. And there's no dialogue. It's just looking at the horse, looking at Toby Maguire's character. And you're like, oh my God, they belong together. He's the jockey that needs to ride Seabiscuit. And, it, you, know, uh, you know, sometimes even myself back in the day, you would write pages of dialogue where you try to explain that. And in visual, you know, just telling the story visually is like where the skill of a director comes in. So it's just trying to find those examples to help tell that story for, to the reader. Really, You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. My guest is the author of Making Your First Blockbuster, Write It, Film It, Blow It Up, Paul Dudbridge. Paul right now is giving us a masterclass that you can also find in his book. Uh, I, gosh, Paul, like, you know, just from, I, I got a, an advanced copy of the book, folks, so I, I was able to go, kind of go through it. Um, and I got to say, uh, everything that you said is accurate. Like, you can tell that you are coming from a place of love for film, passion, technical skill, because you've had, you have the years of doing it. And one of the things that I love is that sometimes you can hand something to your, your younger self. And I feel like you're doing that with this book, as you were stating in the beginning of our interview. But what was your favorite part of, um, or favorite chapter and favorite part of writing the book? Wow. Um, well, actually, there's a, there is a, a I, all of the chapters are kind of fun. Um, I particularly like, um, you know, the writing chapter. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm able to use a lot of examples from films that I like that demonstrate things about how to, you know, like I have a little chapter about or a little section about how the hero should always be in the know about know what's happening and be ahead of the audience and ahead of the other characters in the scenes. I like the chapter I've got on shooting and, and editing action about you know i think a little bit i've got a little bit of a sequence where from heat where robert de niro is firing at the police in the big shootout in la and just the way that michael mann's filmed it and edited it and it just you don't realize that from the audience's point of view you're being taken by the hand not only from an uh, from a 
action point of view to keep it exciting, but orientation, you know the distance between the police cars and Robert De Niro and, and what's happening and how to keep it exciting and the screen direction, all that stuff, and, and can, just analyzing a few films. Can I jump in on this because we're geeking out on Heat real quick? Not only sure. that, sound-wise in Heat, like the way that the bullets fly in L.A. in terms of space the sound mixing is absolutely incredible. It sounds yeah. like you're in uh, open space, but like with tall buildings around them. So it just, everything sounds right. So you're right, like in that film with the orientation, you know where you are, it sounds like you're there. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Sorry, oh, I, I had to geek out on that for a second. No, mate, absolutely. I mean, even the, I reference it in the, in the music chapter as well, actually, because my, what they do is all through the bank robbery, you have this ticking clock music. And then the second the first bullet fires, the music stops. Right. Because there's no way that you could score that to amplify it. You've got to let the realism kick in. You have to let the bullets and ricochet become your notes. And it's just, here we are, folks. You're in the middle of this. Yeah. Um, and the composer wisely just decided to not score that bit. So I'm geeking out on the heat as well, you know. So it's, it's yeah, so there's a, I don't know, every chapter offered its, I mean, as a DP myself, I love the lighting chapter about just saying to saying to the reader, it's okay, it, the light doesn't have to match. It doesn't have to be 100% accurate. My mum, I have this thing, what I call it, the mum factor, or the mom factor, where my mum won't notice it. She will just go, hey, it felt right. She's not going to say, well, the key light was a little bit too further around to the front. <laughs> the window it doesn't matter but I see a lot of young DPs going no it has to be this and that they're, they're missing out on making really good images that fit the story because they're trying to adhere to the you know the real world so I just like letting those rules fly by and go hey guys it's the emotion it's the film it's the story everything else can go you know yeah man I love that the mom factor and that's so true and see that's what I love about DPs is that they they're perfectionist but at the same time like sometimes you do just have to hey come on let's go let's let that go we got to move we got to keep on time and all that stuff and it looks great and you're right like to our moms like to any lay person okay it's a great scene I didn't catch that so you're, you're absolutely correct Paul man this is definitely a book I endorse and I definitely think uh, listeners you got to check out Paul how can people find the book online uh, follow you social media etc sure well the book is available on Amazon making your first blockbuster it's also available on the publisher's website which is um, MWP michaelvcproductions.com and it's on the shelves as well places like Barnes and Noble in the US and soon to be released on Monday over here in the UK so um, and you can find me online I'm on Twitter on at Hanover Pictures H-A-N-O-V-E-R Pictures and on Instagram is Paul Dubridge so look me up director, producer, cinematographer, author, Paul Dubridge. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming back on Picture Lock, man. You're a friend of the show. You can definitely come on anytime. Awesome, Kevin. Thanks for having me. What if you could have a film critic, film festival director, film publicist, and fellow filmmaker guide you with your film's PR and marketing journey from pre-production to post? I'm Kevin Sampson, and my online course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker, does just that. In this course, I'm going to teach you how to set up your film to engage an audience and build a community long before you call action. 
I'll show you how to approach critics to make them aware of your film like publicists do. And as a director of two film festivals, I won't just teach you hacks and secrets to reduce entry fees, but how you can use the festival circuit to create buzz around your film. I'm a huge supporter of diverse storytelling and film, and I believe the most unique voices come from indie filmmakers. That's who I've supported over the years with my show, Picture Lock, whether on TV or on radio. With as much experience as I've had as an independent filmmaker myself, critic, publicist, and festival director, I realize that most indie filmmakers just need access to the knowledge that big firms provide to achieve success. So in this course, I'm going to demystify some of the process and give you everything I know and a behind the scenes look at the sides of the business you don't always see. So if you're an indie filmmaker that's looking to change the game with your film's PR and marketing, make sure you check out PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Head on over to PRForTheIndieFilmmaker.com and get a free preview of the course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Get your film seen, build community, and become an army of one. My name is Ella, and you're listening to my dad's show, Picture Lock. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson, and in the film Rich Kids, a group of troubled teens from a low-income community break into Los Ricos, the local mansion with a border fence, and spend the day pretending to be rich in order to forget their difficult lives. I have the film's co-writer, director on the line, Laura Summers. Laura, welcome to Picture Lock. Thank you, Kevin. Nice to meet you, and I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Laura, the first question I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? Yeah, um, I feel like it's something that's just always been part of my life. Um, my mom and dad both are film, deep film lovers, and I just remember every Saturday uh, or Sunday in the morning just waking up with them and that was kind of the first thing that we did was we would watch a movie together as a family and um, you know my parents never really shied away from showing me um, you know you know of course once I got mature but got a little older you know but like different types of films a lot of foreign films and films with difficult subject matter and stuff like that and so I just really uh, I think I you know really fell in love with it because of them and, and that they're nurturing that you know, um, your parents sound awesome, just like me. I, I've been trying to nurture that within my kids uh, as well, and that storytelling. And, it, and you know, honestly, the fun thing is with movies and films, TV, um, you can. That's really how families kind of bond, coming around, whether it be a movie or whatever the case may be, and all the different yeah. people that I've talked to. So it's really cool. So, Laura, if you could, give us a history lesson. Like, what was your breaking in story? How did you get into the industry? Oh, man. Well, I guess breaking in started, you know, again, at a young age. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I, I uh, you know, I'd always kind of made movies as a kid and, you know, did theater as a kid. And then, you know, ultimately decided that I was going to go to NYU and go to Tisch and study there and, and study, you know, really primarily focused on theater directing. And then shortly after that, I, right after college, I got into a, um, a, um, I, I got a job as a director's assistant. And this was like just this amazing film that also, that went on to win the Sundance uh, Film Festival. And, and that really kind of sparked like how making independent films was just, 
you know, a, a possibility. Um, and so, you know, just I continued to do theater for a while, though, and then um, ultimately moved to Los Angeles in about two, at about 2004 and just decided to commit myself to that. And from there, I just worked on different sets in different capacities, just trying to learn every aspect that I could and studying screenwriting and just learning that craft and working on as many different projects as a director that I could, that anybody would pay for, uh, you know, me to just come on and direct their project. So it didn't matter. So I ended up doing a lot of comedy and web series and sketch stuff and just to get that feel of being on set. Um, and then in addition to that, I worked as a reality TV editor for uh, uh, for many years and learned a lot about the craft of, of storytelling from that because a lot of times with reality TV, they just shoot a lot of stuff and then kind of dump it on your desk and say, make a story out of this, you know, and say, that <laughs> right. is a very empowering thing because you're learning that the importance of editing and how editing, you can just you know, move pieces around and things can improve. And so you don't have to, but the screenplay itself is really just the blueprint, as they say, you know, and I really understand that now, that, that that's just the starting point and that it can con- continue to shift. And once you do that, it really becomes this beautiful kind of sculpting process that goes on as you're making it. So, um, and then from there, about four years ago is when I just, decided that it was really with time for me to make my dream film, which was Rich Kids. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm talking to the co-writer director of Rich Kids who cut her teeth taking one for the team editing reality TV, Laura <laughs> Summers. Laura, I kid, I kid, but I do understand that, you know, that definitely had to help you in terms of your storytelling. So if we could, let's jump into Rich Kids. If you could, for the audience, uh, just give a summary of the film and what it's about. Yeah. Um, so it's a story about a group of kids who live in a low-income community, um, and they are all Latino. I want to mention that because that's very important. Um, and they, uh, there's this, uh, a house, this really big house in that, that's been built in that neighborhood, and everybody in the neighborhood knows about it. And so they find, one of the kids finds out that, that, the, that the owners are not there, and so they want to go and jump the fence to go swimming that day. And so he and his best friend do that, and then, of course, girl, the girls arrive, and it kind of becomes this wonderful party. And then the, you know, the troublemaker, of course, shows, shows up. And things kind of start to unravel at that point. Um, and, but it's a really, uh, you know, so we use that kind of party in a house, that, that home invasion framework to tell the story. But inside of that is, um, you know, a story about um, exploring um, stereotypes of uh, Latinos and, and people who live in poverty um, and really kind of breaking that stereotype that we are uh, often shown in the media that's negative. And so this just kind of gives an opportunity to show that these characters are, are more than that, that they're not necessarily rich in money, with money, but they are rich within themselves. They're rich with talent. They're rich with emotion and, and resilience, and, and they are beautiful and rich on their own. Um, you, you and know, so... 
You know, I was going to, if I could break in real quick, um, one of the yeah. things that I thought like in the trailer is really uh, beautiful is as uh, the main character is kind of talking with a woman that's walking down the street and, um, you know, asking what's it feel like to be in this pool. And she's like, you know, something along the lines of a, you feel like you're on top of the world. Um, mm -hmm. And just how that's that's a really, really simple thing. Right. Getting in yeah. a pool. That's really not yeah. a big deal, but it means so much to these teens. And so I'm kind of wondering how it seems as though it's a character study of uh, these low income uh, teens and um, kind of like what's really important in life. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely is. And I think ultimately, you know, people can find that what's important in life in that movie is something that we can all relate to, which is to have love of our friends and our family, to, to feel free and that you can be yourself. It, it, yeah, that's totally what it is. It's just like, it's just, it's, it's a 24 hour period of just like letting people kind of open their hearts up, you know what I mean, to you right? Um, as you're watching it. And you re really recognize yourself. And that's the important thing about the film is, you know, is that you can walk out of the film and, and, and you can relate and see your own self, even if you don't look like them or live their specific life. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I'm really interested. What has the public reaction been to the film thus far? You know, we, I had uh, Friends of the Show, the Washington West Film Festival come on oh. and um, yeah. the, pro the programmer actually, when I asked, like, what's a film that we need to see this year? Um, she, she, she mentions uh, Rich Kids. So, oh. <laughs> so. Ariel, yes. So, yeah, so, like, what's been the uh, public reaction to the film thus far as we kind of wrap out here? It's been wonderful. I mean, and the great thing has been is that, you know, again, we see Latino characters, so we think only for the Latino community. But, you know, the wonderful thing has been that we have screened at, you know, 20 film festivals around the country in so many different communities. And always when I walk in the theater after the screening, I see the audience is sitting on the edge of their seat with just this wonderful, huge grin on their faces. And they just look so elated because they've just been on this incredible journey as they've watched it. And so it's just been a wonderful, uh, just a wonderful um, acknowledgement of the work that we did and, and, and what we had hoped for. It's really gone above and beyond what we could have ever dreamed. So um, I think everyone will find something to enjoy about it. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I've been talking with the co-writer director of Rich Kids, Laura Summers. Laura, if you could, for the folks that are listening, how can they follow you guys on social media or find out more about the film? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, we are. We have a website called richkidsthemovie.com. You can sign up for our newsletter there and you can find out about um, what we're going to be doing this year because we're kind of winding down our festival run. But we're going to be doing uh, theatrical tours anywhere where people can actually request to bring the film to their city or their town. And, and, and we'll be able to do that. So they're not going to have to wait to see if it's going to come. And then eventually we'll, we'll be releasing it, you know, on all of the platforms that we can. Um, so the, following the website is a good way. We're also on Facebook at Rich Kids the Movie. Um, we're on Instagram, Rich Kids the Movie. 
and on Twitter, Rich Kids Movie. So we're everywhere, and you just need to just pick which place you want to follow us because we'll <laughs> let you know where we'll be and how you can watch us. So. Right. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure well, talking with you. Oh, you too, Kevin. Thank you so much for your time. And great question. <laughs> thank you. All right, co-writer director of Rich Kids, Laura Summers. Laura, thanks again for joining me on Picture Lock. My pleasure. That's all for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests, Paul Dudbridge and Laura Summers, for coming on the show. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, tune in Stitcher, Blueberry, wherever you catch your podcast so you can catch those unlocked versions of the show, as well as the Picture Lock PR after show. I definitely have to say you want to check out the Paul Dudbridge after show, which I'll be putting out on Monday. Uh, we had a great time just chatting a little bit more about the book, and then we got into PR and marketing for films, and uh, I gotta say, it was a great conversation. If you're a fan of Alexa skills, just say, Alexa, play Picture Lock Podcast, and I'll come right up. Feel free to leave a five-star review of the show as well. You're supporting the filmmakers and guests I have on the show by allowing more people to be exposed to the podcast. It's quick, easy, and free, and I really appreciate it. You can find Picture Lock on most social media. All social media is at Picture Lock Show. Watch back episodes of the TV show at youtube.com slash Picture Lock Show and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on the website. All music is done by Mike S, the producer 13. Make sure you follow him on all things social media at Mike S, the producer, numeral one, numeral three, and hit him up for your music production needs. Thanks, bro. I'm Kevin Sampson, and until next time, I hope you stay locked on film.